With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Once again, once again, once again, you're tuned in live to your 15 Minutes Radio Network with Beyond Words. Uh, today is a um, tough topic to talk about. Um, we know we've been talking about COVID-19 over the past six weeks or so since uh, we've been on the air, but today we are going to be discussing um, having an open, honest discussion, let me uh, clarify that, on the senseless killing of Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, many of you have heard about the death of Ahmaud Arbery, uh, the details. Some of you have seen the shocking video. And for those of us who have seen it, for those of us who've read the newspaper accounts and and have seen this replay uh, several times, I can honestly say that I'm sure most of us were tired. You know, we're tired of the senseless killing. We're, we're tired of seeing this replay and on repeat over and over again in our communities uh, in the United States of America. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight on Beyond Words with Shanessa White and Darrell Douglas. How are you doing today, Vanessa? I'm okay. How are you doing? Um, my response to you on Facebook is still the same. I'm I'm tired, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I think yeah. everything is catching up with me, and it's it's as if everything is heavy right now. And yeah. um, just you know, seeing the video, and yeah. for me, seeing it, it looked like a movie, and you would think, oh, no, that'll that'll never happen in real life. Somebody wrote that, and they wrote a great script or something, but here we are, and this is, it's not a joke, it's not a script, it's not a television show, it's something that's happening in real time, in real life, and I... I honestly don't know where to start, but I wanted to have an open conversation about it because um, it's something that has to stop, you know. And yeah. and someone had this great quote, and I forgive me because I cannot remember the young lady's name, but she said the best way that somebody can help stop something like this is to promise that you're raising your kids not to mm-hmm. be racist. 
that's the only way this is going to stop is if we're teaching that to this next generation. So, um, you know, talk to me about your thoughts of when you first saw the video, if you've seen the video, and when you first saw it. You know, I I actually first heard about this um, February 25th, um, two days after it occurred. And, um, you know, I heard about it um, through the lens of his mother saying, you know, I'm, I'm looking for answers. And essentially, um, with the pandemic occurring, so much overshadowed her efforts in trying to get someone to listen and hear her. Um, when I first saw the video, I was, I was amazed and profoundly enraged and numb at the same time. And my first thought was that this young man had to be afraid out of his mind, and that is someone's child that they just took his life as if they were throwing trash out. I just could not wrap my head around it. And I'll be honest with you, I became obsessed with it to the point where I, I literally spent hours upon hours calling people in Georgia, calling different people around the country, finding out what information they had. And I finally got my hands on the actual um, sad, sad state of a police report and the actual um, opinion of the second DA who who recused himself um, from the case. And when I read this, I immediately became even angrier because there's no way in 2020 that any African-American man or any person of color should be subjected to the victimization, not just the taking of his life, but the continuous victimization of him after death with his family. Yes. Just, it, was, it was beyond belief. It, 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 there were no words to describe what is happening in Georgia. I wasn't even surprised when the GBI moved as swiftly as they did because within the time span that I got those reports and this recommendation, literally it was 12 hours before they arrested both of them. Wow. And I'm, I'm, I'm more... I'm even more distressed, I'll just say this last thing about it, I'm more distressed now that, um, you know, there's suddenly this profound interest because there's international awareness that we African-American people who are, who are born and raised in this country are being hunted down and treated very, very differently than other people not of color in this country. Now yeah. that it's made international news, suddenly this is a, you know, priority for the local government, the state government, and then now they're moving pawns into play where now, oh, well, we got to make sure that there's a black prosecutor on this case, and we've got to make sure there's black investigators. No, if you had really just done your job at the very beginning, we would not be going through all of this, and we would not be dealing with all of this. If you, if the... Exactly. It starts 
at the very beginning when the 911 operator gave them pretty much confirmation it was okay for them to chase him down in hot pursuit. We've got to stop this. It's it's beyond tiring now. It's moved from law enforcement to general mobs. It is on repeat. And we are again on repeat. We've seen that, I mean, we've literally went through this It's the same story, different actor. Yeah, it's the same story, different actor. I I find it interesting. Um, Today was like the first time I posted something about it on um, a young man's page and um, on Facebook. And I have to say this, this young man, he is, Absolutely awesome. Let me just say that. Um, but the people who are responding to him, it is it's interesting the difference in the conversations uh, when there is a difference in race. And I understand, of course, their their experience, life experiences are different. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly, unless it's something probably with some kids or some elderly, I'm probably not going to follow you. I will call 911, or if I am following you, I don't know whether there's a way you can record and call 911 at the same time. Never tried it. I don't know if your phone works like that. But I'm not going to follow you with a gun. I'm not going Mm -hmm. to leave my house, get in a truck, car, what have you, vehicle, and have a gun to make a citizen arrest. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to understand how people can feel as if in 2020, this is what I'm going to do and what come, what may, come what may. You know, if he has a gun, oh, well, I have one. If I mean, because mm-hmm. he's running down the street and one of the um, 911 calls, someone is saying a black man is running down the street. Now, I don't know whether that clip was edited or not, but I find that interesting that that was a part of the conversation and that was all, you know. So it's interesting to me that the conversations are, well, uh, he should have just stopped running. He should have done what they said. They were just trying to stop him before he could get away. And it's as if they're policemen. They're not. They're citizens, and he doesn't know their background. So mm-hmm. I, I find it interesting how people are having these different conversations of just stop running and don't move while yeah. two men are chasing you down with a truck, which is, you know, you can get killed well, with a truck. A, they could have run him over. <laughs> but not only a truck, there was also a third individual, the individual who actually recorded this video who was also yes. in pursuit, and their attempt was, and, you know, I, I hate that there's so many narratives out there, but the intent, the intent was to corner him, okay? So, again, mm-hmm. I, as a, as a woman who is much older than he is, I would be, I would be out of my mind afraid for two vehicles yes. to be gunning at me and for me to see a gun in one of the vehicles. It just did not make sense. We could unpack all day the three different 911 calls because that's just a yes. whole different aspect of living in, in, 
in some of these communities that I just do not understand. There is a black man running down the street in a T-shirt and shorts. Is his hair on fire? Is he yelling obscenities? Is he saying he's going to kill someone? I literally have no idea why anybody would call the police because someone is jogging down the street. The, yes. the very thought of it just reeks of racism, whether or not there was a racial slur said the call itself was racist. If anybody thinks differently, they are wrong. Now, now, do you think that people will um, – I'm, I'm trying to find the words of how to ask this question. Do you think people will be more open to justice? I'm just using those words right now. Um, if the racial aspect is not attached to this case, if they say, look, a human life was taken – Let's not make it about race. Do you think there would be more calls uh, for justice? Absolutely. If you, well, let's just say what you really want to say. <laughs> if this was not a young man of color, there would be beyond outrage. There would have been, we would not have had to wait 79 days for an arrest to be made. Um, we would not have to have this case play out on the world stage had it been an, a person not of color. Tell you, just if you take the moment to New York Times actually has the, um, the police report, which is by far the slimmest police report I've ever seen of six pages with supposedly five other witnesses, in, including the two assailants. Um, yet there, there were very few statements from anyone of those so-called witnesses. But take a minute to read that. And it kind of paints a picture for you. Um, you know, if I was his mother and I had gotten this, I would have been enraged to the point where I literally would have did exactly what she did and continue yeah. to agitate and, and to push and to pull. It, did, it does not make any sense. But let's unpack this little, just a little bit more because – you know, the two assailants claim that there have been a rash of robberies, home burglaries mm -hmm. in the neighborhood. Yet the, the police department for the previous 12 weeks reported no cases of burglary, with the exception of one. And that was a missing nine yes. millimeter from the person who shot and killed Ahmad Aubrey, missing from his car. Then they went and found mm -hmm. this other neighbor who claims, well, I didn't report it, which I find this very difficult to believe. Um, someone stole $2,500 worth of fishing equipment off of my boat that was actually in my closed garage, but I didn't report it. I find that very difficult to believe, but okay, mm -hmm. let's say it did happen. Where's the rash? Because for me, a rash means that it's out of control that there's more than one, exactly. there's more than two, that there is a reason that we are policing and patrolling our neighborhoods in such a manner. The second piece that really gives me great pause is, you know what? The fact of the matter is when the senior McMichael called 911, he said, um, you know, we're going to pursue this guy. We've never seen um, 
excuse me, we've never seen him in our neighborhood, and we think he's tied to these fresh of robberies and burglaries. Fast forward to mm-hmm. after the murder occurs, he gives a statement saying, well, we saw him running the other day, and he looked like he had a gun. So because he looked like he had a gun, we decided we were going to be armed. Suddenly, you saw him the other day. Okay. How, how does that play for anybody? Wow. There's a tape that says you've never seen him. But in your statement, yeah. you claim the reason you're armed because you saw the other day he was reaching in his waistband. You thought maybe he was armed. Hey, why did you call on him the other day when you saw him? That's right. Because you didn't see him. This or call nine one one. Oh yeah. What makes this even worse? What makes this even worse? In the midst of all of this, <laughs> the Glenn County Police Department is being investigated by the GBI. And the police chief who oversaw this investigation is currently suspended and indicted on unrelated charges for witness intimidation as well as criminal intent to commit a felony. Wow. I can't believe anybody involved. I I just can't. A fish head, they say that fish rot from the head first. If the chief and his two Mm. deputies, I'm sorry, I should have mentioned, two other deputies were also charged and indicted and were suspended. If the leadership of this department, of this entire police department, is currently indicted, how can I believe any investigation that they carried out between February 23rd and February 28th? Exactly. But... Did, now, does anyone know what prompted the other driver to even turn in the <laughs> videotape? Because I have been trying to figure that out. I've seen him on um, the news saying, hey, I've been receiving death threats, and he could only say certain things because his lawyer would not allow him to answer all questions. So what was that guilt prompted that, or was what what happened? Does anyone are you aware of how that came about? It's my understanding that a lawyer who had been informally advising the McMichaels and William Bryant—that's the other the gentleman in question—who I truly believe mm-hmm. will be charged this week, if not next week. <laughs> um, He Mm -hmm. was loosely advising them on this case, and because um, Ahmad's family would not just let this go, there was a lot of community angst around this. So, again, people's perceptions versus reality is very strange to me. Um, The -hmm. lawyer released this tape (laughs) thinking that this was going to vindicate these men, Because in the tape, if you have not seen it, yeah, there is a moment where, and I'm not minimizing it, but quite frankly, I think I would have done the same thing, where Ahmad rushes this man holding a shotgun after they've been chasing him. And he rushes him, you know, he rushes him. Obviously, when he rushed you, he didn't have a weapon, right? Because if he had a weapon, he would have drawn the weapon. So he rushes him, and suddenly he's shot three times. So for whatever perceptive reasoning this lawyer had, (laughs) 
I have no idea why he thought that was going to play differently because wow. in my mind, I saw a fight or flight situation. Exactly. And um, I didn't see what they saw. So that's amazing to me. And if you see the world's reaction to it, the world's reaction is, no, you killed this person in cold blood. So only in Brunswick, Georgia, right. a small subset of individuals <laughs> um, clearly saw something differently than what we saw. But here's We're the killer. We're going to bring Darrell on the line. Darrell? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Um, as you know, we're talking about Ahmad Arbery death. And yes. uh, go ahead, Shanessa. No, I was just going to say the tape isn't new, so that we're clear. The police had the tape all this time. They've had the tape. This was mm. not something that he's had on his cell phone and he just brought forward. They had this when they decided they were not going to charge the McMichaels. They've had this tape. Wow. It is referenced. So it wasn't like this was explosive. It was, you know, the new part was that we saw the tape. Mm. Wow. Darrell, um, when I was thinking about this subject, I thought about you. Um, in particular, because when we first started this show, um, you said that sometimes African-American men feel like they are under constant threat. And this is an example of that constant threat of whether he was just jogging or what, what have you. Let, let me just say this. For, for people who are listening and and are um, you know saying in their their heads, well he did go into a building. There's footage of him going into an empty you know house under construction. I can tell you now, and I guess HPD may be knocking on my door. I don't know, but when I first moved to Houston, Texas, we would go and look at houses, and it didn't even occur to me if the house was open. We would go and look and look at the floor plans. Nobody ever called the police on us. Um, we weren't there to do anything illegal. We were just curious and looking at floor plans and things of that nature. So for those who are trying to justify this whole thing by saying, well, he shouldn't have gone in the house. Now, you don't see him taking anything, but he shouldn't have gone in the house. You know, and, and to me, even saying that and justifying his killing it is a constant threat to somebody who is not committing a crime. So talk to me, uh, Darrell, about that. I think, you know, let's just say, let's just say that they come out and find that not only is there one video, there are three other videos, and he went into the house. And let's just say mm -hmm. that they knew that, right? That is still not justification for them to do what they did. And I find it just, wow. Like, the, at the same time that we're talking about this, where this, you know, black man was basically hunted down, you have the governor of another state that is telling the jail to let this white woman out who defied his own orders, 
So, mm. you know, here in Texas, you have Governor Greg Abbott, who is basically telling Dallas County to let Shelley Luther out, you know, because he said so. And I think, you know, <laughs> there's one thing to to note, to, to, to acknowledge these things. It's something else to say, okay, now that I know this, you know, like, what, like, what are we going to, what are we going to do about it? Or what am I going to do about it? So as an African-American man, how, how do you feel, how did you feel um, when you saw the video, if you've seen the video, how, how did, how did you feel? I haven't seen I haven't seen the video. I haven't. I know that it exists. Um, there's a certain something that happens. Um, I, I I don't know if I told the story here, but a couple of, a, a couple of years ago, I went down to Jackson, Mississippi. They have the uh, museum of I don't know what they call it. I want to say it's the Museum of Civil Rights or African-American history. I forget what the name of it is, but it's basically mm-hmm. half of the museum is about <laughs> Mississippi history, and then the other half of the museum about black history. And that's a story within itself for a whole other episode. Because you, you, when you get to the ticket counter, you have to decide, are you paying to go to this museum, that one, or both? And they're different prices. So, yeah, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's a whole other conversation. But I went, and I'll never forget, like, they had this little, they had uh, almost like a warning that said, you know, viewing some of this stuff can be kind of traumatic, right? You know, Mm -hmm. so proceed with caution. And I thought to myself, you know, that's interesting. But no, after about a third of the way, I had to step out. It was too much to see. It really was because these are all historical things that that we've heard about and that we've seen. I remember it was interesting. I caught myself humming along to the music. They, you know, they had old Negro spirituals and old gospel songs, and I play music, so naturally I kind of hum along to stuff and. And this white woman who was standing next to me at one of the exhibits kind of said, like, oh, like, you know, you must come here often. You you know these songs like that? Are you a historian? And I'm like, no, we still sing this stuff today. And we do. Swing low, sweet chariot, mm-hmm. um, hush, somebody's calling money. Like, it, it's there, yeah. right? But in that same vein, it is exhausting to see because – me seeing it has a totally different effect on me than someone else seeing mm. it, right? And, I mean, that that's reality. So a, a lot of times when stuff comes on the news, when it gets too gra- – mm-hmm. well, I have to change it because to someone else, this wow. is interesting. To me, it is literally reality. I remember being um, – I was on a work trip, and it was a group of us. I was the only black guy in the group, and we were walking, and 
there was no one coming, but don't walk. And I didn't walk. And they kind of looked back at me like, what? You know, I said, no, I'm a black man in America. I'm going to stand here because you're kind of taught, like, from a very young age, even if it's not, like, a curriculum, like, I don't remember which day or which conversation, but it's it's taught that, no, they can get away with it. You, you can't go look at houses the way that other investors do at night because not only could you get caught, the assumption is not going to be, oh, here's an investor looking at houses. You're going to probably, you're either going to get in trouble or worse, if they decide to be, you know, a court, jury, and executioner, they'll get away with it. Mm. Mm. So you couldn't bring yourself to watch the video? No. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely wow. not. Now, Janessa had a different reaction to the video. Um, she became vigilant and <laughs> She began to look at uh, the details in terms of the police report and things of that nature. Uh, Chinessa, explain to us as a mother of a son what what this does to you in terms of what you would teach your son. Yeah, you know, it is, it is. <laughs> I mean, I can understand why Darrell didn't see the video, and I don't want my son to see the video um, because I think it does something to a child, and I think it does something to our very, mm-hmm. to all of us when we see this. Um, yeah. As a mother, my heart broke for her more than anything because I can't even begin to understand the pain that she must feel Um and how quickly things happen. I think it's um, it's it does something to you because it makes you realize that people really do not value who we are. And mm-hmm. what really set me off in the middle of this too is, and I don't know if you guys have seen this situation, but there was a young man who a white mob showed up at his home last Sunday night while his mother was sleeping and he was playing video games and this white mob shows up that's being led by an off-duty deputy. They've got ARs and shotguns standing on his porch demanding (laughs) to know where a missing young woman is when he is not even the person they were looking for. They're at the wrong address and the deputy continues to try to force his way into the home. And I imagine myself, like, I, that too set me off because I could imagine waking up, hearing my child scream, like, mom, mom, at 1130, 12 midnight, and to come onto my, come to my front door and see 14, 15 white men standing on my door with guns demanding to talk to my child when my child isn't even the person they're looking for, demanding, doesn't even matter who they're looking for, demanding and intimidating mm-hmm. and terrorizing my child, that that could have gone so badly. And if it had been me, yes. it would have gone badly. I know it. She did something I think I never would have done because I would have shown up with gun drawn, and that would have been bad. Mm-hmm. I know it would have been yeah. bad. 
But again, if I hear my child scream and I hear my child and something's going on and I hear a bunch of commotion, I'm coming for him. This has to stop. This has to stop. Here you have these people who are behaving like vigilantes, and this goes back all the way back to Zimmerman, acting as if they are the law, policing black and brown bodies as if they own us. They do not. I may run, walk, and do as I please. I am a human being with the same rights and liberties that you have. I do not have to answer your questions. You are not the law. Mm. And the amount of well, white privilege that you have to be draped in to think that you can just command a person of color to stop and to do your bidding is just ridiculous. And that was going to be my next question. What gives some people the right to say, look, if I come to you with a gun drawn, you just stop. You need to stop. You need to pay attention to what I say, and you need to actually do what I say. Don't run. Just stand there and answer my questions or maybe wait for the police to come for whatever reason because you don't know me, but when you see me, I'm automatically supposed to stop. You know, it's as if anytime I see two, I don't really care what the race is. In this case, they were Caucasian. I don't care what the race is. If one of the examples I gave is as a woman, if I'm in a parking garage and I see two men walking towards me, more than likely, I am going to turn around and walk the other way because I don't know what's really happening, especially if I'm not accustomed to seeing these men, okay? And then if Mm -hmm. I hear their footsteps running after me, I'm going to run. And if they surround me, again, it doesn't really matter what the race is. If it's two men and they surround me, what am I supposed to do, stop and ask questions, or am I supposed to fight as hard as I can for my life? For me, it's the same scenario that he went through that moment where people are saying, well, he, he got what he deserved. He shouldn't have grabbed the gun. But, again, what was he supposed to do? Start asking, excuse me, sir, who are you? What are you doing? That may not be your initial reaction. Maybe some people have watched too much television. But I'm Hmm. trying to understand why people believe that your instinct to fight or flight, there was a flight, he ran around, and then there was a fight that ensued. So I'm sorry if you're surrounding me, and, and it's at the end where, look, Somebody mm-hmm. is, I'm scratching somebody. It's going to be some DNA somewhere mm-hmm. in this building. You know? Okay, so you, you, you can forget it. If we're we're in a parking garage, hey, you, you yeah. hey, whatever you get, you get. Mm-hmm. So my, we can't my, continue to condone that. Go ahead, Darrell. Right. One of my favorite quotes that I looked it up as you were, as you were talking, because I wanted to hit it spot on, it's about Muhammad Ali. He said, I believe in the eye for an eye business. 
I'm no cheek turner. I got no respect for a man who won't hit back. You killed my dog, you better hide your cat. And <laughs> I think that is an eloquent way of saying, like, there is no, like, if you kill my dog, you better hide your cat. Like, like if you think that this is, you may win. You may win, but it will not be without without a fight. You know, I remember probably, I want to say one of my first, but probably one of my most, like, prolific. I talk about it all the time. There's a guy, Gregory Johnson. I don't know where he is today. But in the fifth grade, <laughs> Gregory Johnson got his growth spurt before everybody, okay? Um, he was, how old are you in the fifth grade? Like, 11 or 12? I don't know. 11. He was like a teenager. He was like a teenager, okay? I don't know if he was held back a couple of grades or what, but Gregory was like 5'11 or something. And he was a little terrorist, you know? He would, I mean, when you look up bully, there is Gregory Johnson's picture. And I'm imagining what I was in the fifth grade. And this okay. one day, this one day, we were all in the restroom, and I forgot how the fight started, but I gave him all I had. And you know what? Gregory Johnson beat me that day, but he never, he never even after that, he never even taunted me. It was like, okay. That's not what I want to deal with today, right? And I think, sadly, sadly, the days of expecting logic and compassion and equity from everyone around us is gone. I think that should be the standard, but, you know, (laughs) walk softly, but, but, you know, carry a big stick. I think, you know, that there's there are different ways people are looking at how all of the like the response to all of this. I I used to be of the theory that we must change laws, but what good is a rule that no one's really gonna follow anyway? Right? I don't know if you've ever been like you know, an administrator or, or, you know, a supervisor somewhere and they come down with, from now on, X, Y, and Z, you already know the way around it. You know the workaround, right? Mm-hmm. You know how, you know what, like, how the work is checked. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to announce this in the meeting, but we ain't really doing this, right? That is what mm-hmm. we run into all the time. You know, then another frame of mind, another theory was we must put people in office that look like us. But what have you heard from, I would even say, our mayor in Houston right now, not even about what went on in Georgia, but what recently uh, happened this past week with uh, with a a very popular gospel singer here in Houston – who died at the hands of Houston mm. Police Department. Like, mm. silence. Because, just because they're elected, how did they get there? Where's their money coming mm-hmm. from to get elected? Whose favors 
who are, are owed and where? Who got their cell phone number that can say, hey, you, you went a little far at that press conference today? Right? Yeah. It's bigger than mm-hmm. that. And I think power only concedes power to power, and it must be taken. You know, and that's that's never a uh, that's never a simple thing. And when I say power, I'm talking about not only economic power because I mean that's something that seems so simple, but it makes sense. I guarantee you, people people treat you different than yeah. mighty dollars. But, but I think that the the reality is what you said. It, here's the thing: we're not going to solve this by ourselves. We're we're tired. We're sick. We are. We we want to stop dying at the hands of over policing and vigilantes. That all of that needs to stop. And the only way that's going to stop is, as you even mentioned, is by power. So what power can we take in this situation? And quite frankly, um, honestly, I feel like we have been. Um, really trying to solve this on our own when it's really not our problem. It's not our problem. We have told our children, and we, we've been told how to behave when we are stopped by police. We have been told how to, be, how, to, how to live in this world. But this is not our problem. This is their sickness, and they have created it. And quite frankly, the only way we can make them accountable is to shame them into being accountable and to look at the humanity of it all and to be accountable. That's the reality. Putting a black DA over this case to preside over this case when eventually it does go to a jury, because it will at this point go to a jury, um, I don't take comfort in that because not all skin folks are kin folks. And if you have not experienced and not understand the outrage that we have within our community, Candace Owens, if you have not experienced what we, who we are, mm-hmm. if you're a part of a party that you have bought into because of your education and because of your affiliation with a political party, you do not understand what's at stake here. I don't take comfort in it. Anyone who's watched the Atlanta child murderers know, murder documentaries that for years and years have known that Georgia has long before now taken our people and made our people do their bidding. So it does not give me comfort at all. But I will say this is the first time I have seen more people not of color express how horrible this situation is than I've Mm -hmm. ever seen in any situation. And I'll say that I had very few allies not of color during the Trayvon Martin situation there's some, a lot of good people are sick of it. So we have to keep pushing. We can't wait for the next story to come along and push this aside. We have to keep putting that shame out there and making this their sickness. It's not ours. We don't kill their kids for coming into our community to buy drugs or to do whatever they're doing when they are here. Mm-hmm. That's right. Hmm. You know, and, 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 and it happens more that, often than they know it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, I uh, these things, I think there's a short-term, like an immediate thing, and then I think there's a long-term, you know, more aspirational 
uh, goal that, that kind of, you know, comes into play when you think about these things, at least for me, because there's like, there's the ideal, you know, 10 years from now, things have changed and here's how, but then there's also the like, you're black, you live in America, and this is going on. With, with Amber Geiger, which is the story of the white female police officer up in Dallas mm-hmm. that went into the home of, I, I forget the brother's name, but she went both to the wrong John. apartment. Of, mm-hmm. Yes, both and John, and she shoots him. Now, here's what's interesting. I, the, the, the building that I live in now, it's like Fort Knox. So I used mm-hmm. to never lock my door, and the reason was that I, I, I would never have to take keys anywhere, really, right? Just my car key. So, you know, I mean, it, it was like Fort Knox, and then the way I thought about it, Compared to my neighbors, like, who's going to come to my apartment? Like, they got all the stuff. But, no, after that, I started locking my door. Something so small that has to change yeah. mentally because it is a reality, and it's not very, very far off. It's not. Yeah. So I think, you know, in the short term, I mean, sadly, you know, I'm a, I'm a concealed handgun. Uh, license holder, right? So, and sadly, that gives me a piece of uh, the word that I'm looking for, you know, uh, a a piece of additional, like, safety. Yes, security. There we go. That's the word I was reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what what can we do now, though? Because, see, here's the thing, um, and we definitely want to say Breonna Taylor's name in Louisville, Kentucky, who was killed when police went and did a search warrant and burst into her house without identifying themselves. And her boyfriend, who happened to be there, is a licensed gun carrier. He had a gun, and he started shooting because they thought somebody was breaking in, and she ended up being killed uh, by the police. And then the police found out that, Uh, the person that they were looking for had no connection with them whatsoever and that they had actually arrested him like three to four hours earlier. So nobody has been um, held accountable for any of this. And this story is just getting out as well. So it's like, oh, okay, our mistake, uh, just like the Houston police did when they killed that couple, and went into yep. their house and said they had drugs. And everybody on the news, it was interesting to me, all of the neighbors said, hmm, that's strange, that does not sound right. And then once they did right. the investigation, they saw that the uh, police officer had uh, lied and there were no drugs in the house. So we we have something has to be done now because I don't want to trend. I don't want my name trending on tw- Twitter. Right. You know, right. and and we look at the world as if, you know, um we we are, you know, secure. It's not going to happen to us. It's not going to happen in our neighborhood. I was sitting here one night and I was on the computer doing um doing a doing some work. And so while I'm working, I hear my doorknob being turned. And there was a sound that came out of me that I've never heard before in my life because I'm trying uh, to figure out who who's uh, turning my door because nobody has a key 
<laughs> except me. Mm. Okay, so I'm thinking, what's happening? And it's the middle of the night. And the guy says, oh, I'm sorry, I got the wrong apartment. Wow. No, sir. We're not in Dallas. We're not wow. going to do this. <laughs> now, of course, I did not open my door, and I did look through the peephole, like, what, what's happening, you know. And so he turned around and went wherever he went, but I'm thinking, okay, so I don't know who's keeping their doors unlocked, but I'm not keeping mine unlocked. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I wasn't exactly sure of what that was about, but here we are. You know, that could have ended very badly had I just forgotten to, mm-hmm. you know, lock my yeah. door. But I'm in you my know, house. Right. You know, I mean, I even think back to 2014. This was a couple of weeks before everything happened in Ferguson, before they had uh, given the no bill to Darren Wilson. And I work from home. So a lot of times, you know, I'm at a coffee shop or I'm at a park, you know, getting out of the house basically, right? And I never forget, I had stopped at the subway right over there by Minute Maid Park, just on the other side of 59 right there, from the Clayton Homes. There's a gas station, there's a subway right there. And I got me a $5 foot long tuna and jalapenos, right? Had it toasted. And there's a park just on the right. other side of 59, right? It's a county park. And so I pulled in and got out, went over to one of the little uh, picnic tables, and the sun is shining, and I had my headphones in. And I think I was listening to music while reading. I was reading a Malcolm Gladwell book. I was finishing Tipping Point for the second time. And so I'm eating, you know, a little bit of sandwich, a little bit of chips, a little bit. I'm just living in my own world, and I look over, and I see mounted patrols, you know, the ones on the horses. And they're mm-hmm. by my car. They're in front of my car, right? And at the time, mm-hmm. I drove a, a two-door Lexus, the two-door drop-top, hard-top uh, SC430. I look over to them, and they're in front of my So I'm thinking, my first thought was, wow, like, am I not? I know there's, like, a 13-inch rule or something by the curb, or am I parking? Let me go over yeah. here before they tow my car. So as I'm walking up, and keep in mind, I'm dressed in basketball shorts, you know, a T-shirt, right? Like basically mm-hmm. house shoes, you know. And I walk over, and the, the, there were two officers. One of them says, you know, I say to them, hey, is there something wrong? You know, am I parked wrong? or is Because I'm looking at them, look at my license plate, and he's talking into his shoulder, into the little right. I'm like, whoa. And they proceed to go on and, and say, oh, this is your car? Do you have any ID? I'm like, whoa, this has shifted fast. And so I'm like, yes. And I'm still trying to figure out why are you, like, why are you, what's wrong with my car? I don't want my car towed. I haven't been towed before, right? And, you know, I pull out my ID, and at that point I'm like, is there something wrong? And they're still not believing that it's, you know, my car, so they go ahead, I guess they ran my ID, you know, and then they go ahead and they hand it back, and they basically go on to say, hey, you know, this area is kind of bad, and this and that, and blah, 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 and, you know, it's, and I'll never forget, the guy said, there's a lot of, you know, um, vagrants around, a lot of, you know, dangerous homeless people, and it's not, if 
something will happen, but when? And I'll never forget my response to him was, my, I wasn't scared until y'all did this. I was doing fine over there, right? <laughs> so immediately, once I, and I was shaking. I was, I was so upset at the whole ordeal. I was detained, right? And so I mm-hmm. went on, did the process, went down to headquarters, did the whole, you know, they, they don't, they, it's basically kangaroo court, right? They weren't paying attention. I got no calls back. I'll never forget. I had to go down and do an affidavit. And the lady was, the, the Sarge, who was, like, guiding me through it, was kind of, you know, antagonizing me as if I had done something. Do you remember, you know, the names of both officers? Do you remember what they looked like? Do you, the, I mean, she's interrogating mm. me, right? But I'm going to push mm. this through. And so I'll never, you know, at the end, they give me my copy or whatever. And I call back. And I'm asking, you know, what's the next steps? Like, what's next? They say, well, we have up to 180 days to do our investigation. And I'm like, and is there a, a, an average? I mean, what, like, are there any checkpoints or, or whatever where I'll be notified? Any benchmarks where it's like, and they were like, no, no. Wow. So I thought that was crazy. So I signed up to speak at the at City Hall the next week. Put my name on the list for public session. Wow. And anyone who's, you know, done the whole rigmarole, you know they're going to call you and say, hey, mm-hmm. somebody from HPD, their government affairs person, hey, let's get you off that list and let's get this figured out. No, 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 no. Because I'm doing this <laughs> with a single mother who works Taco Bell who can't come down here and, and do all of this, right? Like, mm-hmm. I could have yeah. called the yeah. chief of staff of a city council member. I could have, no, I, I'm trying to, like, on this. So we ended up doing mediation, and it ended up being kangaroo court. And I wanted those officers. I wanted them to see me again, and I wanted them to feel, I wanted them to know the next time they do this to somebody, because they do it to people who they don't think will do that, who, who yeah. won't go the whole length, yeah. who, who probably got a, a warrant or or don't have the time to take off. No, the next time you do that, mm-hmm. you may be back here. Mm-hmm. So, so as a result of um, someone turning in this tape, thinking it was going to help them, um, you know, all of this, you know, which really makes no sense to me, but, you know, everybody has a different perspective on this. So this young man was, again, senselessly killed, you know. So where where do we go from here? You know, we, we only have a few minutes left. So, you know, Chinesa, tell us where do we go from here? How do we assist in any way, you know? And, and how do we not, um, oh, goodness, what is the word? How, how do we not close off ourselves? to those who are allies that are not, you know, within our community? How do we yeah, do I that? Think, I think um, the, the individual or the team that set up, you know, the uh, run with mod um, challenge of having people run uh, was a great way to, to extend to our allies to be allies in this point. But uh, besides those charitable gestures, we really want them to be accountable for 
helping us hold these law enforcement people accountable for his murder. Mm-hmm. So we can't let this just be swept under the rug. We have to be actively talking about it, I'm not saying we've got to talk about it every day, um, but we right. actively have to be engaged and get them engaged. So simple things like the petitions that are going around, I, I will tell you I have never – and this tells me that people are sick of this. I have friends who don't ever voice their opinion about politics, won't even like a political post from me, will not do anything um, remotely what you would consider being a protest. But I saw several people not of color passing around this petition saying we want justice for Ahmad. You may think something like that is um, – it's just too simple and benign, but guess what? It actually isn't. It really shows that there is an outcry for this to stop, that there should be no one above the law. So I want us to keep the conversation going, and I hope that his team, because, you know, it's, it's so many people involved now, but I hope that the team that's trying to help his mother get to the justice that we want to see for her and for him that they continue to shine a spotlight on what's happening in Georgia. But not just in Georgia. You know, we could talk about what happened that same week in New York with the police, you know, passing out masks in the white community for social distancing and putting their foot on the necks of black men uptown. We have to hold Mm. people accountable, bring those things to light, share our outrage, no, I don't live in New York, but guess what? I let New York know that I see them doing what they are doing to us. Yeah. We have to hold people accountable. Let's use social media. Let's sign those petitions. Let's, let's tell our Congress, Congress people to speak out against this injustice. Um, it, just, it, it has to stop. We're done. Joelle? Yes, so, you know, over the past, I would say, 10 years or so, I've marched, I've rallied, I've protested, I've been kicked out of places, I've been drugged out of places, I've done all of the above, and I think it's going to take even more of all of that. And And I'll say this, the officer who shoots an unarmed, you know, black man, or the officer who goes and gets approval for the no-knock raid from a municipal judge. That's not the first time doing that. And that's Mm -hmm. not the first time that they did something wrong. And I really do believe there's a slippery slope. You know, I I, I worked in, in the prison and I saw some horrible things. And so in addition to continuing to do what we have been doing, we have to do that lower on the on the end of things. We have to stop excusing any of this, mm-hmm. any of it, okay? And we have to apply to, continue, to not give people passes. Not only do we have to shine the light on the aggressor or the antagonist, we have to look at the people who are conveniently quiet right now. They want to shine a light on them, too, and say, hey, you know, you're a quote-unquote leader. You better get a megaphone in your hand or say something at your next presser, because if not, 
you're condoning it. Your silence condones it. And, and those of us who are continuing to call out, call that stuff out, we have to continue to do it. And, and the flame must spread. The flame has to, the opposite of what we're doing with social distancing, we need to do the opposite of that. Because mm-hmm. yeah. COVID, we want to stop, but activism and open-mindedness, whatever that is for you, that may not be going to a rally. That may be cutting into a conversation at the at the uh, you know at the, at the coffee maker next time at work. That may be mm-hmm. hopping into you know one of your friends' Facebook feeds, right? Whatever that is for you, we've all got to kick it up a notch because. Our mere mm-hmm. existence depends on it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, this has been an awesome conversation. I am. Um, I think we have a responsibility. That's why we're having this show, really. Um, we have a responsibility to have these conversations, for one, and not be afraid to express um, how we feel and what we're going to do about it. Uh, we have to continue to build a coalition if if we think anything is going to change just within our own just scope. It's just me and my four, you know, and that's it. No, no, things are not going to change that way, and justice must be served in every case, um, whether it's race or whether it's not race-related. We have to call for justice in every area We cannot allow a young man, whether he's jogging, whether he's running, I really don't care what he's doing when it comes to those particular situations and scenarios. Um, He should not be hunted. He should not be followed. If you've ever been followed, for those of you who are listening, if you've ever been followed, your mind is racing. You're trying to figure out, Is this person friendly? Is this person, you know, what is the motive? And the next thing, after fear, you're going to do something, whether it's run or whether it's to, you know, confront one or the other. Mm -hmm. So we have to quit thinking as if we're on a television show. Things happen Mm -hmm. in the moment notice, and you don't know how you're going to react. So step back, and I understand people people are, are... doing this based on their experiences. But sometimes you have to step outside of your experience and say, okay, so let's look at this young man. Let's look at this human. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't want to deal with race, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem when you decide that the humanity of this man is not important, that catching someone doing something that you you have no proof of is not important. We matter. We know that we matter. And I'm just going to be honest. I don't care if you like me. I have no problem with that. My concern is that you don't respect my humanity. And I'm tired Mm -hmm. of trying to defend it again and again and again with every shot that you decide you want to fire whenever you decide you want to fire. Because, of course, you love this country more than I do. That's what 
you want them to say about you anyway. And that's why you're defending your property. You don't own the street, but you're defending your property. We have to move beyond this thing right here Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to be the hashtag. I don't want my sister or my brother or my nephew to be the hashtag because that only lasts for a couple of weeks. But my life is worth more than a hashtag. So we all have to do better. Mm-hmm. And those are my last words for tonight on Beyond Words with Janessa White and Darrell Douglas. Thank you guys for an awesome conversation. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have a good night.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.